Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. How many of you are a disciple of Jesus? If you're not, then we need to get you saved and born again so that you can become a disciple. Disciple means that you sit at the feet of Jesus to be disciplined by him, to learn from him. He calls his 12 disciples and he gave them authority. You know what the enemy wars against in your heart and in your life 24-7 about? About the authority that you carry. He's always at war with your authority. He's always trying to get you to question the very thing that God gave to you. And he's trying to get you to question this thing that you actually have in your possession. It's in your account. He died to give it to you. You have possession of it if you are a blood-bought, saved believer. And this very thing called authority, the enemy is warring against that because guess what? He doesn't want you to use your key. He does not want you to use your key. He does not want you to use the very thing that Jesus paid for you to have so that evil, so that wickedness, so that sickness and disease and impure spirits could take over. You want to know why America's the way America is right now? Because the church isn't doing its job. That's it. That's it. If you believe what the word of God says that says that darkness has no authority over light, then we need to understand something. The coming revival and the coming awakening and the coming reformation that the Lord wants to pour out amongst his people will begin in the church. It's not going to begin when they think the right way. It's not going to begin when they start to pray or they start to do anything. No, it starts in the church. It starts by God dealing with his people. He said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. A disciple is somebody who's been trained in righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the kingdom of God wherever they go. So Jesus calls these men to himself. It's an invitation, church. It's an invitation to them, and, and he delegated, he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, heal every disease and sickness. Now, word authority means several different things. But scripturally, it meant to exercise dominion over inferior principalities. I'll say that one more time. To exercise dominion over inferior principalities. The Father has given the authority first to Christ, and that, and through Christ, he has passed on this great power to the church. So when an individual is operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not fake. It's real. It's real, amen? And so the Father gave it to Christ, Christ gave it to us because we believe. And when we release, when we demonstrate the authority in prayer in the name of Jesus, anything is possible. Anything is possible. John chapter 5 verse 19 says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. 
Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in, in, heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is passing down the very authority that was given to him. How many of you have ever received something like an heirloom? You received something that was passed on to you from a, a grandma or grandpa. And you were, you were given this thing and, and, and then, you know, you one day will pass that on to your children. And that your children will pass that on to their children's children. It's the same way in the kingdom with the authority. The father has all the authority, but he gave it to his son, Jesus. And if we would believe in the son, Jesus, then Jesus himself has passed on the authority to us. Amen. Are you following me this morning? And so we see Christ through the father has all kingdom authority. And this authority he gives to his disciples as well. That's you and me. That's those who have said yes to Jesus. So Jesus continues his instruction to the disciples in Matthew 10 and verse 6. He says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I saw a bunch of hands raised just a second ago where he said, oh, I've received a miracle of God in my life. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. God has transformed my life and my soul. I am forever his. Go. If the power stays inside of the church, the world will never know the power. If the power stays in the four corners, in the four walls of this building, the world will never know the power of God. John 13 and 35, he says this, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. When you love them the way that Jesus loves you, Unconditionally, infinitely, through every mistake, every flaw that you have ever made. When you love them and you care for them and you want so much as to show them Jesus, then they will know that you are a disciple of Jesus. A disciple doesn't sit merely in the house of God. A disciple goes. I find it troubling sometimes, church, that we're quicker to tell somebody about a good movie or a restaurant faster than we are to tell them about Jesus, the Savior of your souls. I find it a little bit backwards that our conversation is more about others and less about what God can do for others. Amen. I find it disheartening that people would rather complain about dumb kings than proclaim the kingdom of God. You see, we're quick to complain, we're quick to criticize, we're quick to judge. But don't we have this glorious news? 
But don't we have the kingdom of God living in our heart and in our life? Don't we have the power and the authority that Jesus died to give us? Yes, we do. But the devil, through complaining, always wants you to complain so that you can abort the seed of faith. You want to know what complaining did to the church, to the Israelites, to the people of God? It kept them in a desert. It kept them outside of the promises of God. It kept them outside of, the, of the, the lands that God had wanted to give them. It kept them outside of possessing that which the Lord had, had, had wanted for their life. And it kept them going in circles. How many of you want to keep going in circles? I know you don't. Then we must proclaim the kingdom. How many of you know that Jesus leaves no room for excuses? Somebody had an excuse why they didn't come to church today. It wasn't you because you're here. Thank God. Amen. But somebody had an excuse why they didn't come to church today. My toe hurt. Oh, I'm still kind of tired from the time change. My iron wasn't like, you know, working right, you know, and I don't know, you know. Somebody had an excuse. Can I preach to mature people in here this morning? Excuses don't work in the kingdom. Excuses aren't acceptable in the kingdom. He's not going to grade on a curve, church. He's not going to. You can't go to the teacher at the last minute, please give me extra credit, and act like God is going to somehow do that. He has been gracious enough. The Bible says that he is not slow, as some understand slowness, but he has been slow for a reason, so that you and I can come to repentance, so that we can get this thing right. I thank God that he has been just tarrying just a little bit longer. When I was hungry and I was ready for his arrival, I'm like, come, Lord Jesus, come. And he's like, no, 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 they don't get it yet. We need to wait just a little bit longer so their heart can shift so that they can understand what it is that I have called them into. He leaves no room for excuse, no room for misinterpretation. You have the authority through him. That's what the word says. To cast out impure spirits and to heal every sickness and disease, now go. And when you've gone, your message is very simple. The kingdom of heaven is near. If I could define that in the simplest terms, the kingdom of heaven is near means this, that the Holy Spirit is living in your life. He's present with you. It's not the kingdom of heaven's at church. We got to wait till 1030 on a Sunday morning. No, the kingdom of heaven is here and now. I can pray for somebody at midnight and they can be healed by Jesus. Somebody can re receive salvation in the middle of, of, of a dark place. They can receive salvation anywhere. So here's, here's the big thing that we need to get. Stop limiting God. Stop limiting God. Everybody look at me and say, I have the authority that Jesus has given me. 
That means that you can pray for the coworker in the middle of the workplace. That means that you can shout to somebody, you can encourage them, you can lift them up, you can take them by the hand, you can do the very things that Jesus has called you to do whenever and wherever because his kingdom is always near. His kingdom is always near. But I need us to understand this. You will never release that which you are unaware that you have. You will never release that which you are unaware that you have. If you know you don't have a key to unlock a door, you'll never attempt to open it. Man, if I showed up to your house, I'm not going to try to open the door. I don't have your key. Unless you made me one that I don't know about. But why am I going to go to your house and be like, oh, you know what? No, that's what burglars and thieves do. They go to places that they don't have access to to rob something that they, that they don't have. We're not here to rob anything. We're not here to break into anywhere. No, he gave you the key. He gave you the key, church. But when you're aware that you have a king, when you're aware that you have his kingdom, it is your delight, church, to open the door of life so that others can see his goodness. Has anybody ever asked you to pray for them? Anybody? Anybody? And you know you hadn't been praying like you were supposed to be praying. And you know you hadn't been in the word. And you know you weren't, you know, you know in tune with the spirit. They asked you to pray for something and, and you, you gave them a half-hearted prayer. Yeah, well, you know, God, uh, just uh, help them. Hopefully everything, you know, goes... Okay. The word says that we are to be prepared in season and out of season. That this life that you are living in the spirit, this life that you are living through Jesus Christ, is not supposed to be a life like a switch that is turned on and turned off when you show up and when you leave. But it's always supposed to be burning brightly in your life. The Bible says that then you will be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the hope that you have. Colossians chapter 1 says this, verse 9. For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may have life, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. Uh, and let me stop there. Being strengthened with all power. With all power. Being strengthened with all power. You don't cast out an impure spirit without power. Sickness and disease is not healed without power. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. <sighs> Are you listening this morning? He qualified you. I didn't qualify you. If it was up to me, I don't know who would be on the team and who wouldn't be on the team. 
But he qualified you. The Bible says before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. The Bible says that before the creation of the world, he chose you. He appointed you, church. You are not here by mistake. You have life and breath in your lungs. You are living now because God has an assignment for your life. He has an assignment for your life. Verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12 again. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. In verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You know, church, this is the prayer of many pastors. They long to see the body of Christ, which God has entrusted them care over, step into complete maturity. Step into complete maturity, living lives worthy of the Lord to please him in every way. Those who have been entrusted and those who have been rescued and redeemed, they continue the work of their Savior. The message of the kingdom of heaven is near is an invitation to show the world that God is with you. It's an invitation to show the world that heaven is with us. When a blood-bought believer prays, demons flee. I said, when a blood-bought believer prays, demons flee. Cancers cease. Wars stop. The poor become rich. The hurt find hope. The sick receive healing. And the bound are set free. Can somebody say amen this morning? See, the kingdom of God that I am speaking to you about today is so wonderful, church. It's so powerful. It's so humbling to know that God would entrust you and I. That he would entrust you and I to carry out his work in the earth. That he would give us this access. It's so powerful to think, church, that, that the king of kings, he's unafraid to give you access, power, and authority to his children. Even at the cost of knowing that some will misuse the power and that some will misuse the authority. Matthew 10, 8, let's read it again. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Does these sound like options or commands? They're commands. It's not an option. Everybody say that. It's not an option. It is not an option. It's a command. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Someone being healed is a powerful testimony, church. Amen. I said, somebody being healed is a powerful thing. You see, in a world of people that want no one healed because it takes money out of their pockets, somebody being raised from the dead, somebody being raised from the dead cancels out the wickedness and the evil that is trying to control people's lives. You know why Jesus had a death threat and death sentence upon his life since birth? Because they knew he had authority. And they knew that his authority would cancel out their plans. He knew that, they knew that his authority had the power to stop their evil schemes and their evil works and the things that they wanted to do in the lives of God's people. The Lord has shown us, church, that by being born again, 
by saying yes to him, by surrendering your heart and your life. The same way that God resurrected your soul from death to life when you were born again and you said yes to Jesus. It's the same resurrection power that he wants to see move in the earth again. He's looking at his children. He's saying, use what I've given you. Speak my name that I have given you. Speak my name over every demonic scheme. Speak my name over every wicked plan of the enemy. For there is no other name in heaven and in earth and under the earth. There is no other name, church, that can rival the name of Jesus. This is why we are to do this work. Ephesians 1 and 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us believe. There's that word power again. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when Christ raised from the dead. You know that he is still in the resurrection business, church. You know that he can still raise the people that you thought were lost, that you thought were too far gone, the people that you thought had no hope. He can still raise them to life again. He can still raise them to life again. It goes on to say, it says, who raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority. See, Jesus isn't just held captive by the inside of a church. Jesus isn't bounded. He isn't limited by what we think or what we ask. It says that he's far above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion. And it says in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. You see, the kingdom of God must never be reduced to talk, to ideas, to philosophies and principles. I'll say that one more time. The kingdom of God must never be reduced to talk, ideas, philosophies, and principles. If that's all it was, then he is not real. If that's all it was, then he is not alive. If that's all it was, was to come and sit and listen and hear a teaching and hear a principle and try to fulfill the works of the things that you were told, then God is not real. But can I tell you, church, that his kingdom reigns and his kingdom will reign forevermore. His kingdom is more powerful, church, than any single wicked scheme that would come against your life. His kingdom has the power to do the unthinkable in your life. His kingdom has the power to transform and to completely turn things around in your life if you would just believe. He is a powerful God. I said he is a powerful God. He is a powerful God, church. He is not dead. My God is alive. Could somebody give him glory today? You want to know what power looks like? It looks like God stopping bullets that were going to be pointed at your life. Some of you are alive right now in the house of God and somebody tried to take you out. The enemy tried to take you out. And you are here today by the mercy and the grace of God. 
You know what power looks like? It looks like stopping the plan of the enemy. When Satan tried to take me out, oh, multiple times. One time I remember when I was 13 years old after my parents got divorced, I was so broken in my heart. I took a knife to my wrist and I tried to kill myself. But even before I knew him, even before I had ever called upon his name, he knew his written plan over my life. And in his sovereignty, in his mercy, in his grace, he said, no, no, no. I'm going to stop this from happening because there's an assignment on this young man's life. And some of you need to believe this over your life. Lives that have encountered power, this King Jesus, this mighty God, they will show the world God's power and God's dominion, not only in this life, but in eternal life to come. Someone being cleansed of leprosy was a big deal in biblical times. Those who were afflicted of this terrible disease, they had to announce to the communities, they had to announce to all the people that they were unclean. They had to walk around all of their days and they had to tell people that they were unclean. They had open wounds and sores on their body. They were kicked out of homes and they were outcasts to wander the streets. And it was forbidden even for the priest to touch them. Leviticus 13 and 45 says, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out unclean every day. Verse 46, as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean and they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. I can imagine that a person that had this kind of wicked disease was very lonely. It was very painful. It was very shameful. It was very frustrating because they didn't ask for the disease. But yet they were deemed unclean and they were forbidden to touch anybody. And because leprosy was an outside thing, it was so visible, it was involved the decay and the corruption of the body. It serves, church, as an excellent reminder and an excellent symbol of sinfulness. See, when the kingdom of heaven enters the room, I believe that anybody that has never said yes to the name of Jesus says, I am unclean. I'm not worthy to be in this place. I'm not worthy to be in this moment. I'm not worthy to be where God is. See, sin corrupts somebody spiritually the way that leprosy corrupts somebody physically. It is a disease that every man and woman is born with, and it, it is sometimes worsened in our life because of the people that you encounter. Sometimes it's worsened by the people that you have contact with, and if you continue in this continual pattern of sin, then death will eventually come to destroy your life. The Bible says in the book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't end there. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. Amen. How many of you are thankful for Jesus that he was unafraid to touch your life? How many of you are thankful for Jesus that he was unafraid to come into your life? He was unafraid to become sick by what you had. He was unafraid, church. He freely gave his life. He freely took your shame. He freely paid the penalty in his body so that you could be free.
Mm. Today we have this wonderful communion table before us, which represents the sacrifice of Jesus' body being broken for your sins. I've had a lot of sins. We've all had a lot of sins. The Bible says that every man falls short of the glory of God. There's not one in here that is listening to my voice today that is without sin. We were born into it. It was the disease that we did not ask for. It was the, 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 the penalty for thinking that we knew better than God. And the Bible says that our very sins were what took Jesus to the cross. Your very sins are what took him to the cross. Because he looked at your life and he knew there's no way, there's no way they're going to get to my Father's glory. There's no way they're going to experience the freedom of the kingdom unless I die in their place. Unless I step into their shoes. And unless I willingly embrace this cross while they whipped his back 39 times. While they tore the beard off of his face. Why they marred his skin and his body unrecognizable. Why they pierced his side. Just think about Jesus just for a moment. Everyone close your eyes. Sacrifice that he made for you was so great. And some of you have said yes to this glorious king. Some of you have... Embrace the life of surrender. But this kingdom that God has called you into has never been about religious practice. It's always been an invitation to know the one who gave his life for you. When you pursue, you can look at me, church. When you pursue kingdom principles above his presence, you're looking for a kingdom without a king. We cannot do this on our own. Amen. You cannot cast out an impure spirit on your own. You want to ask the sons of Sceva how that went? <laughs> Remember this story? No? I'll refresh your memory. Some of you are looking at me like, eh. They heard by which the prophets and, and, the, and the apostles were Performing signs, wonders, and miracles. And they heard them say in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, when they prayed. So they said, okay, well, we can do that too. Because all we need to do is say what they said. But the reason they were wanting to do this was because they were wanting to take payment for the miracles. They were wanting to take payment for the signs. They're wanting to take payment for the wonders. So the Bible says that when they go approach a man that was demon-possessed, 
And they try to rebuke the demon and they try to cast out the demon in Jesus' name. The Bible says that the demon jumped on them. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? And the demon overtook them and sent them running away naked. Jesus is looking for surrender. Amen? Psalm 145 verse 13 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures through all generations. It says, the Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and he is faithful in all he does. Daniel 7 and 13 says, in my vision at night I looked and there was before me like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Verse 14, he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power, and all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. When it says your kingdom or his kingdom, the Bible is not talking about earthly rulers, governments, agencies, and authorities and principalities. The he in this scripture is him. The him in this scripture is unmistakably Jesus. There is no power without Jesus. There is no kingdom without Jesus. You see, the son of God became the son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. Are you listening this morning? <laughs> what do sons do in the natural? What do sons do in the natural? Just think about it. They grow up like their earthly fathers. They grow up like their dad. But some of us didn't have a dad. Some of us didn't have a good dad or a present dad. And so when we say yes to Jesus, this is where it gets good. When you say yes to Jesus, oh, hallelujah. When you say yes to Jesus, his father becomes your father. I said his father becomes your father. That's good news. That's good news. And the same way that Jesus revealed his father in the earth, so God is expecting you and I, who've received Christ as our Lord, to reveal our father in heaven. Paul said this, I came to you not with eloquence or fancy words or, or divine preaching, but I came to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Father wants that there would be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God in the earth in these times that we are living in. Romans 14 and 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. That is religious practices, but it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. You see, there's only one way to righteousness. It is by being born again. How many of you are born again? Stand up if you are born again. It's okay. Stand up. Show me if you are born again. Show me if you are born again. That's okay. If you're still sitting, we're going to get you saved. Did I just wake you up? Did I just get you out of your sleep and your slumber? That's okay. You can stand. You can sit. You can do whatever you want. I said you can do whatever you want. Some of you are like. There's only one way to righteousness, and it's by being born again. You cannot make yourself righteous and right before God on your own. Romans 3 verse 20 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. But rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. 
It's okay. The law has its place. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. You see, it's only through receiving the work of Jesus and believing and confessing him as Lord and Savior that you are born again. You can't do what you haven't received. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. The him is Jesus. And through him reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and we were enemies in our minds because of your evil behavior. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is the peace of God the kingdom is talking about. This is the peace of God is knowing that you are washed in his blood. Knowing that you're transformed in your life. Knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Whew, that's good news, church. Knowing that your life has been bought by the blood of Jesus. You are burden-free. You are sin-free. The curses have been broken off of your life. You're free in Jesus. If you don't have this peace today, then guess what? Jesus is waiting to give it to you. If you don't have this peace today and you're listening to the sound of my voice, Jesus is waiting to give it to you. And the Bible also says the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. It's joy in him. It's delight in him. It keeps you laughing in the face of opposition. Joy, church, is what the enemy tries to rob from your life every single day. You wake up and you feel the new mercies of God over your life and you feel the breath of God over your life and you know that you have no reason to, to exist, but God has given you a reason to exist and you're still standing in his presence because of his goodness. And he gives you joy in return. And that joy, church, is strength. That joy, church, fills your life, dare I say. Dare I say, church, that there are people present in this room this morning that are miserable. And you're fearful. And you're without hope. And you're angry. And you're scared. And you're hurt. Listen, let the kingdom come to you today. Let the kingdom of God come to you today. Stop watching. Stop listening. Stop just, you know, observing from afar. God wants to touch you. He wants to touch you in a powerful and mighty way, church. He wants your surrender. He wants your heart. You can't earn this. You can't earn this. All you have to do is give your heart to Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.